Well, good day, good day, good day. Uh, welcome to our inaugural edition of Moving the Needle, a show where we are going to try to discuss uh, some things going on in Rochester with regard to education, uh, some touchy subjects, but we want to get at the truth. Uh, we want to always deal with three various three things. What? So what? And now what? We're going to introduce a topic and we're going to deal with the what of that thing. And then the so what? Why is that important to all of us? But then most importantly, now what? Where do we go from here? We want all schools to be better, but there are some things that we can do specifically within the charter realm that could move the needle quicker. And I am so grateful to be here as I am Pastor Sebron O. Johnson. I pastor the Greater Harvest Church and the CEO of Exceptional Inc., and I have my partner in crime with me, Dr. Paul Miller. Will you introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. What's up, Rochester? What's up, world? Not even just Rochester. This is, hey, this is going everywhere, uh, Pastor Johnson. We, hopefully, we're going to get heard. We're gonna, we, we can't be seen right now, yeah, but yeah. we're going to get heard. And, you know, we're going to move this needle. And we're going to get people on this podcast that have some interesting perspectives, both, uh, both for and against. We're going to make sure that we hear the different perspectives, but also split the truth. We're going to be transparent. We're going to be real with people. We're going to be giving facts. We're going to be giving uh, really just the other side of the coin and trying to get this message out there on what needs to happen to create some change here in our city. Because we know that in our city, you know, we're 646 out of 646. Uh, we are like the third poorest city in the country. I think the last time they published graduation rates for black males in 2012, the shot report said that we uh, had 9% of our black males graduate. That means 91%, according to the shot report, did not graduate wow. in, in 2012. And, and I don't think it's changed much because we're 646 out of 646. However, we have some amazing schools in Rochester. We have 25 charter schools that service about 8,000 kids or more and counting and growing and some new charter schools opening and some other opportunities. And we're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. And we're going to give it to you real. We're going to educate. We're going to entertain. And I am Dr. Paul Miller. Uh, I am born and raised here in Rochester, New York, uh, right from the east side of the city. What's up to my east siders? You know, the west side. I, I never really uh, really rocked with the west side, but I love the west side, east too, because I went to school over there. But, uh, you know, I, I, I love the west side, too, right? But I'm right here from Rochester, New York. I was a teacher, was an administrator in the city school district, then moved over to the charter world, got some really strong results. Uh, and now my goal is to help other people get those results. And so I am Dr. Paul Miller. And I am here, and I can't wait till we can dive in. And I'm so honored to be here with you, uh, Reverend Johnson. Wow, wow. It's so good. It feels good to me. You know, um, I can remember going to school here in Rochester. I graduated from Franklin. Ben Franklin. Okay, I played, my, I played football at, at Franklin. Oh, I went wow. to school at Walls, but I played football at Franklin. Wow, wow. Yeah, I that played was... for Coach Jackson and, and yeah. Coach Nix. And Coach Nix? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. He, he now, they said I could cuss on here because Coach Jackson would cuss you out. <laughs> God damn it, son. Hey, that... hey, can I tell you Ben Nix did the same? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You stupid mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He, but he they said it with love. And yeah. so I don't want to put them in a bad light because they said it with love and they said it with care. And at the same time, they were just trying to motivate you to be better. But you had to have a thick skin with those brothers. You had to have a thick skin, but they did uh, love on you. And the love came through even past uh, the words. And um, it was, it was uh, Coach Nix who really encouraged me to go on and do some things in, in college. And I remember, Dr. Miller, that when I was in high school, I had a counselor that told me that at best I should go to a two-year school. 
And it was amazing because I was accepted to Columbia. I was accepted uh, to Union College, where I eventually went to. Uh, but they, they looked at me and didn't see better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about that now when I walk around the city of Rochester and I see young people uh, just walking and they're three and they're four and they're five years old. And I think about all the promise that they have. But then my heart breaks when I see some of our 11th and 12th graders, and it seems as though their future isn't as bright as it once was. And I was just wondering, when you look back over things and and what's happening in the landscape of Rochester, what changes have you seen in the educational system in Rochester, New York, since you were a student here? So I think, you know, that's an interesting question, because I think that there are so many dedicated, caring individuals who are in the traditional and the non-traditional settings, right? To be an educator, you really have to care. So there's good people. There's good teachers. There's teachers that work really, really hard. But I think progressively, the system has gotten worse. Progressively, with the times, the uh, bureaucracy and the politics, I can't talk, right? Politics have gotten worse. I think the, the, the machine has gotten bigger and the machine is pulling the strings. And so you see that, and, and it gets farther and farther away from the real priority, which is the kids. The real priority, which should be the staff. Yeah. The real priority, which should be making sure that kids can read, write, and do math, and get educated. And so I've seen that change, and I've seen it change for the worse. And then I've seen people who continue to do the same thing over and over again. And I think they said that's the definition of insanity. Yeah. Like if you continue to do the same thing over and over again, you usually continue to get the same results. That's right. But I'm going to argue that they don't want the change. They don't want the change because if you change things, change is hard, change is difficult, but it also uh, takes away some of your money. And it changes the big business. And and it changes uh, what's fluffy and changes what's kind for adults because uh, you're not, you, now you have to do something differently that might not be so comfortable. But being uncomfortable, being comfortable, being uncomfortable is how you get change. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I would argue that they don't want the change. Wow. You know something, you, you did something different. Um, Somehow, the, the student, did you graduate from Marshall? No, I graduated from school without walls. You graduated from school without walls. But you know, like you were telling the story about Coach Nix, yeah. and you know, Coach Jackson helped turn my life around. How so? You know, and, and Coach Trent Jackson, and I, I love this brother. He ended up being my fraternity brother later down the road. Um, and you know, he's passed away now, which I'm sure most of uh, Rochester knows. Yeah. But that brother changed a lot of people's lives. But I remember I was getting ready to quit playing football, right? Mm. And I was a good athlete. I wasn't great, but I was good. You know, I, I had a little bit of skills. Yeah. Um, and and so I was playing, and I remember I was about to walk away from the game and uh, because I didn't click with Coach Nix like that. And I felt like when he cussed me out, it was because he didn't like me. But, you know, that when I look at it in – in hindsight, it was more of that I deserved it and, and that I wasn't having the right mindset. I just didn't know how to connect to that brother, right? So I'm getting ready to walk away. I was like, yo, coach, I'm about to quit. And, and he jacked me up. And he, God damn it, son, like, that's piss poor. And he cussed me out and all that stuff that he does and said, it's you. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he looked me in the eyes and said, it's you. Every day you walk onto that field, do you bite down on your mouthpiece and do you – uh, ro- knock someone on the behind. Do you uh, go as hard as you can go 100% of the time? And if you don't, 
then you deserve to sit the bench uh, because you got good size, you got good talent, you got good ability, but your effort's not matching your ability, and you need to do something different. And so, and you know, and it was a lot more harsh than that, yeah. right? So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm keeping it cleaner for the air, right? Yeah. But so, what ended up happening was is that uh, I went home, I prayed about it, I thought about it, I, I reflected, and I was like, yo, he's right. And I came back the next day. And, and from that time out, I bit down on my mouthpiece. I remember the drill. So it was, it was, uh, and I, I actually ended up knocking somebody down on the behind, right? And then every play after that, I went hard. And I ended up starting and playing the rest of the time and ended up with a partial scholarship to the University of Buffalo. Wow. I ended up, but it was more about what he instilled with me about my effort had to be uh, match my ability and that I had to be great and use that perseverance and put that, he put that into me yeah. and he spoke that life into me and I was able to see something different and I got a chance to tell him later in life, we were riding a car, I was bringing him home from a picnic yeah. and I got to tell him that and that moment was like really special and you know, he, he didn't want to hear all that yeah, but, yeah, but, he, yeah. he, but I think he still appreciated it because it was, it was coach. Yeah, the old but, schoolers, they, yeah, they, don't, yeah. they don't get mushy what you do you. Yeah. It, no, it's funny, I heard some great things about me that, that Coach Nick said that he never said to me. Yeah. And others will tell you he, that what he said, like, wow, I never knew he felt quite that deeply right, and, right, right. and felt that much about my athletic ability too. Um, so that's great. I wonder, man, um, some of that that was put into you by, by folks who were in schools, was that part of what you took to Green Tech when you went to Albany? I mean, I'm, I'm just so proud, man, to be sitting in the room. Hey, despite the fact, everybody, that you have an alpha and a Q in the same room. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and I'm the alpha, the first of the first, just so <laughs> you all know that. But, but It got greater it, later, baby. <laughs> but it's amazing to me, man, to, to, to see and, and somebody like myself that came from humble beginnings. And you went to Albany, man, and you, you did this thing with Green Tech. And to be able to, to, be able to boast that you had 95% graduation rate and a 100% college acceptance. That's amazing, man. What's the secret sauce? What you do? We build systems that work. Yeah. We're, and, but we're, we're, we're able to also admit when things weren't working. Okay. And we're able to create the change that we needed to. And that was foundational, right? So if I was going to give you the foundation of the success, it's rooted in four pillars, right? It's one is building relationships. And then you build systems off of there, which I have. So if you need me, holler at me, and I can help you build those systems. So that was a shameless plug, right? But <laughs> so it, like, got you know, gotta pay them bills, right? right. But uh, so building relationships, and then you build systems off of that that work within your school to build relationships, and you make it authentic, and you make it so they're making connections. Secondarily, it was about teaching and learning, and making sure that teaching and learning was at the forefront and what does that look like and there was systems that were for teaching and learning that are very specific that can be utilized anywhere again if you're looking right so third was how do we use data to move instruction and so taking this data principles and moving instruction um, and then being able to re re inform yourself of what you need to do and changing because of the data that you're using and then fourth is how do you hold everybody accountable and so accountability, accountability for students, accountability for administrators, teachers, parents, the community, and holding people accountable and making sure that there's systems to hold people accountable. So when you have these pillars and you do it from a lens of collective teacher efficacy, you build schools that work. And so I was able to do that and I was able to create that, those changes uh, because of a great team too, a great team, great people, and I had people who were willing and it can be done anywhere. So it, it can be even here. Absolutely here. And so, you know, we're trying to open a Green Tech Rochester, brother. We're trying to open an elementary. And so. But, but wait, no, no, no. Paul, help, help me out. 
They, they, they told me that there are too many traumas, there are too many obstacles, there are too many barriers, that this can't be changed in Rochester. So you almost made me cuss at the good reverend. <laughs> so I, 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 I was about to put on my Coach Jackson hat. God damn it, son. <laughs> Not, this, this can happen anywhere. So, and it is happening, right? So there's a lot of schools here that are getting results with our charter schools. So you look at the vertices of the world. They're taking kids who are failing in other places and they are making them graduates. They are turning that around. You take the U preps of the world. You take uh, the Rochester preps of the world. They're doing that work. They have systems that work. And there's some that are, uh, th- there's some that are working towards that. But it can be done. It is being done. And it can be done at an even higher level if people are willing to do the things that it takes and, and, and do the hard work. Like I was working with a, a, a client the other day. And I'm not even going to say the school, but um, they kind of shied away from the pushiness of trying to do what it takes to get better. You, you know, and so, you know, that's a little disappointing that they shied away from that. But uh, you know what? I still believe that they're going to move that needle because I'm going to keep pushing with them and I'm going to keep pushing differently. And they have the capability of doing it. And I believe they're still a want and desire. But people are scared of change, man. Wow. Let me ask you this one other thing, man. Yeah, because um, I got a question for you, too. But well, go ahead. Ask you me, go, go ahead. Because I want to know from your heart of hearts. I, didn't, I haven't asked you this yet. Ask me whatever yeah, you want to ask Your heart me. of hearts. Um, uh, we're trying to do something in a city of silos where people do a lot of individual things, not so often groups, and everybody's on a treadmill, but nothing's working. And it looks like we're trying to have the audacity to work together to move the needle for a group of students. And I'm just wondering, in your heart of hearts, do you really think an alpha and a Q, a saint and a sinner, a a businessman (laughs) and an educator, can can we get together and do this thing? You know, life is about opposite polarities, right? So there's, 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 you can't have night without day. You can't have good without evil. You can't have uh, light without dark. You can't have fat without skinny. You know, and so the opposite polarities uh, are able to work together and form that circle. That's the whole yin and the yang principle, right? So that yin and the yang, and you look at uh, and the yin and the yang for any of those uh, uh, martial artists out there, right? You look at the Taoist symbol, and in the black symbol, there's a, a, a white spot. In the white symbol, there's a black spot because you can't have one without the other. So it's about riding that circle, and so it's about riding it better and riding it differently and knowing that, that even if things are good, that bad is coming, and it's how do you handle that bad. And when things are bad, good is coming, and it's how do you handle that good. And so, and making adjustments, but that's what this is all about. You know, we have to uh, make adjustments, and we have to work together because guess what? It's all flowing together, and we're needed. You and I are needed, uh, you know, even whether it's night and day, whether it's the, the right way or the wrong way in your case. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if we can come together and understand that principles and theories, we're going to be able to create a lot of change, brother. And I feel it in my soul and my spirit that uh, we have an opportunity to do something special and, and get this message out there so people can hear us and hear it from different perspectives and, and realize that there are so many options out there and that if you want changes there for you, stop being part of the problem. Let's be part of the solution. Now, you know, I got a question for you. Yeah, yeah. So how you, you have a diverse background, and you could be doing anything you want. So why are charter schools important enough to be a part of your calling? You know what? Um, I have had a diverse background, and a lot of my things were in uh, New York City, 
in uh, a lot of the high-tech startups, and you can earn a lot of money and did earn a lot of money uh, with companies and taking them public and arguing with SEC and building great software. And, and that, was, that was great. But when I looked at it at the end of the day, when I left the company, I didn't have anything in my hands that I could say I had done that I was proud of. Went into some entrepreneurial endeavors. Uh, some of it was in housing. I actually owned a, a softball shoe company. Uh, a lot of things that, oh, wow. that, that we've done. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A softball shoe company? Yeah, can, yeah. Wait, I'm pausing you because I want nah. you to continue, but come on, tell us so, a little so, bit. So let me tell you, man, a friend of mine. Who the hell is a softball Yeah, a friend of my fraternity brother okay. went, to, went to Union College with me. When he graduated, he worked in Nike for a number of years. He was an Olympic race walker, believe it or not. Race went, walker? Race walker. We don't talk about them because they get no, no, no acclaim. Okay, I got all kinds of questions. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, but he played baseball in, in, um, in high school. And he called me one day after I'd done a lot of things in Manhattan. He said, hey, man, I got a crazy idea. I said, what is it? He says, why don't we go get together and make some baseball shoes? I said, baseball shoes? He said, well, actually, this is for the softball industry, but why don't we do this? So I said, um, why not? Let's, let's do it. I had done a few entrepreneurial endeavors before. We got a couple of factories in Taiwan. We had 16 distributorships in the U.S., and we were making baseball shoes. We were hanging out with a bunch of the, the, the major league baseball players. We were, we, uh, were endorsed by, or we uh, endorsed uh, Ricky, Ricky Weeks. At the time, he was with the Brewers. And uh, we just had a, a great time doing it. Um, as it would happen with entrepreneurship, we got a great uh, opportunity to do with the, a deal with the Army, and we couldn't fulfill how big that deal was. And Nike had some oh, things wow. to say about that, too. So we pivoted and went on. I came to Rochester to do some things in ministry with a calling on my life. Um, and we uh, went to seminary and I worked for the Urban League. And at the Urban League, I saw a lot of things that gave me fulfillment. But I did notice that uh, a lot of people's lives weren't getting better. And then I had an epiphany, man. I was walking down Joseph Avenue one day and I saw a young man on a porch. And I was walking up to him to say hello because he, he was, looked so familiar. I was like, wow, he hadn't changed. And I realized that the person I was going to speak to um, was about 18 years old. And I hadn't been at the time 18 for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I realized it was my friend's son living in the same house, in the same condition, with the same issues, and nothing had changed. And I decided I didn't want to live my whole life for money. Uh, I have two great passions. One is the church. The other is education with our young people. And so I wanted to make sure that I worked in an area that we can affect change. And charter schools is an area that we can really do some great good for our young people. Now, you said you were a pastor. And, and I know that you pastor a church. And I've, I've, I've heard that you have a nice uh, following as well. But, but how does being a pastor connect or relate to the charter school world? Like, how, 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 does, how do you make that connection? It, it, really, it really is, is a perfect connection when you think about it. Um, when you pastor a church, you do so because you feel it is a calling on your life, number one, but you feel that you are uniquely qualified to make some change, number two, and finally you have a heart for the people. And so that's a perfect fit when you think about what I'm trying to do and we're trying to do here in, in the charter school era, area. Sure, I could be doing other things, making more money, but so can you. Um, it's a calling on your life to do something in this, at this time and, and, and this space. But you know what? When you look at the kids... They need you. And you believe, and I believe that you're uniquely qualified. I know that I feel that I have some qualifications here, but our kids, they're dying, man, and I can't accept that. So, so 
So let's 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 explore that minute uh, for a minute. You know where you said they're, they're, they're dying, which they are. And this city is uh, you know the highest murder rates per capita almost every year. I think we have more murders here in Rochester than Chicago last year yeah. per capita. Yeah. And so you know they are dying. And I would say a lot of them is because they they're, they're if you knew better you do better, right? right? Right. And so, but our school district we've established that it's failing, mm-hmm. and. Those people who are over there, they will say, they will go as far as that. So a real conversation that I was speaking to someone who uh, works within the district that told me that their, uh, I believe it was their like, second in command mm-hmm. as a lady who has openly professed, like, I hate charter schools. Mm-hmm. Black woman who says she hates charter schools. Why do you think they go as far to say that they hate charter schools when they know that our kids are dying and when they know that we need something and we know that the options that are getting provided aren't good. Why do you think they hate? Why do they think they say things like that? I think, I think one is there's a long seated uh, fear of the unknown that if you're not a known commodity, I'd rather stay with what's familiar rather than dealing with the things that I don't know. And so the, the district uh, is a familiar commodity. And so at least they, they know them. Um, I also think that when you think about why individuals stay in that realm and not move over to charter schools, it goes with some actually some some lack of faith in systems in new systems, because as black and brown people, we've seen this played out over and over again where we tried to trust and it didn't work in our favor. But I will say this. If I'm a person and I have cancer. And I know that I'm dying. If somebody comes with an experimental drug that may cure my cancer, I want to try it. Mm-hmm. I won't stay in the house and say, no, I'll just die because I'm not sure of the side effects of your cancer um, um, or your cancer drug. I'm saying that our kids are dying at record numbers. They're dying. And those who are graduating don't have a diploma that's worth the paper it's printed on. They're, in effect, still dying. And so don't we owe it to them to offer them a different solution? I'm not trying to say fall in love with a charter school. I say at least be open to another option, and then we'll go from there. You know, what that makes me think of is everything that you just said. You know, it takes me back to a conversation I had yesterday with a local politician, which I'm not going to put their name out again, Mm -hmm. but um, a local politician, and they used an example and they're not really pro charter school, um, and that was why we're having a conversation to say, "Hey, what could we do to get you to lend some support?" And and they gave the runaround and some really answers that I didn't I think were useful, and it was uh, deflecting like they are and, and, and like they do, like politicians do. And uh, but it said something interesting, but it wasn't in context of support. It was in I don't even remember the context, but what he what they said was valuable. And what they said was, is if uh, you had a, if you were going to send your child across the street and they had a 50% chance of getting hit by a car and dying, would you send them across the street? <laughs> Wouldn't do and, that. But, but then I thought about it later and it connected. I wish I would have been a little wittier at the yeah, time because yeah. I would have said, well, it, it, then why would you send your kid to this, the, this, this district. district where that they got a, a, a almost a fifty percent chance of dying, right. you know, why, right. and not graduating, and not other things like. And then I think about in context of the people who say they hate charter schools, and like this black person, and specifically, I believe a black woman mm-hmm. who has said that. Yeah. Um, but don't we 
as black people, we want choices. Wow. And so I used this on air, you know, a few minutes ago, a little while ago. And don't we want choices? So we wanted the freedom and the choice to be able to sit where we wanted to on the bus. Yeah. We wanted freedom to choose our water fountains. We wanted freedom to be able to go to the schools we want to go to. But now as a black person, you're going to sit here and tell me we shouldn't have a choice and you hate something that is giving a choice and an opportunity. And guess what? If you're a better choice, the kid should go there. If the charter school is a better choice, the kid could go there. So how as a black person, can you be mad at that? Right. Right. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it. And that's one of my questions I ask. Why, why are you not more mad at a system that has not been uh, properly educating your kids? And man, let, let me go on record to say this. I don't want the district to die. But I do want the district to change. Me too. I want to. I, I don't want another year of this. And we've been we've been dealing with this. I mean, you know this, Dr. Miller, man. We've been dealing with this in the 2000s. We've been dealing with this in the 90s. We've been dealing with this in the 80s. We've been dealing with this in the 70s. So there's no good old time when this worked. It has always been bad for black and brown people. How much longer do we have to have these conversations and not attempt to move the needle in a different way? You are so right. This city needs the city school district to win, too. So we're not here to bash them. We need them to win because they're needed, because they're, they're, they could be a viable option if they were willing to do things differently. But you better be do right by our kids. But, and that's the problem. That's not happening. And then we need the charter schools to win. We need as many options as possible because we need the best option. And people need to keep choosing until they get the right option. And, and, you know, and that takes me towards, you know, we're, we're getting closer to the, our end time. And so there's a question I have here for you. As we think about our future episodes, we're, we're going to have some good episodes. So we are encouraging people to tune in to us. We're going to be dropping an episode a week. And uh, but what what do you bring this different to this fight of changing education for our city? And how are you going to use it on this show? I think we're, I'm going to be impassioned and appeal to individuals' uh, nature of greater good. I, I hope I'm going to uh, assist you in bringing forth some topics that some people are afraid to talk about, and let's go ahead and push it a little bit further. And uh, me trying to be the person that says, let's think deeply about this. Let's see what we can do, but let's never, ever, ever be satisfied with the status quo. So I'm hoping that we're going to move this thing toward um, change, but, but rapid change. We don't want to be here two years from now saying the same things about what's wrong and what we could do uh, to change. So I think I'm going to bring some pastoral theology to some of this, but I'm also going to bring uh, some efficiencies from the, from the private sector to this conversation and asking leaders to be real leaders and to be thought leaders at that. And, and again, I'm glad that you and I, uh, we, we are brothers in this struggle. And, and for those who don't know, we get along famously. I mean, I love my brother for real, for real. And so when we're not on, on, on air, we talk just like this anyways. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just so uh, godly proud of who he is. But he can say some things I might not be able to say. And, and I might have to dress it up a little bit. And, and so he's a little light on the sugar. So he'll be able to just bring that thing right at you raw. And, and while I might be a little silent, I'm, I'm air punching right in the room. because I'm happy he's saying it. And so I'm grateful for him to be able to say those things. And so even though I may say them a little differently, please believe we feel the same way. Oh, absolutely. I think that's so important and so crucial um, as we continue to move this needle. 
And I think Rochester is a grassroots city. So Rochester likes people who roll their sleeves up and who's really willing to get gritty and get down for the cause. And I think we're both willing to, to get down for this cause. We're ready to roll our sleeves up. And I think that's, that's what we're going to be giving, folks, is we're going to be rolling our sleeves up. We're going to be getting down and we're going to be getting gritty. And we're going to be giving that grassroots education to our community so people understand what it is and things that you've heard uh, things that you thought you may not really be well informed. And so we're hoping because you know what? One thing I will say about Rochester is Rochester loves this station. Rochester yeah, loves yeah. the Douglas King Malcolm X station, yeah. the WDKX. Yeah. This station has been around for such a long time. Big and, shout out. and big shout outs to this station. And, and Rochester loves this station. And and the station has done so much for the community. So I know by us being on here and being able to get this out to the community, we're going to change some people's perspectives. And, and I, I believe in that. And so, uh, how how do you think? How do you feel about that? So let me let me just say that I, I agree 100 percent that we're going to change perspectives. I think that we're going to get people really thinking. I'm hoping that some folks will turn over a few tables in a, in a godly way. But we are in a position where we can use our voices and we're going to cry that you all ought to be advocates for your children or somebody else's children. Make a noise. Um, And we're doing this in the midst of doing other things. I know, Dr. Miller, you could get ready to close us out. Um, Not only do I run uh, Exceptional that used to be E3 Rochester and I pastor the Greater Harvest Church on the city's northwest side. Um, I actually co-partner in a, in a mental health company called Ivolve Me, really trying to look at real diagnosis for individuals from licensed clinical mm-hmm. social workers. So and so those things are still going on to kind of uh, surround the other things we're doing with education. But I'm just wondering, as you um, get ready to get us out of here, what other things are you doing, too? So I run Charter Champions that supports 25 charter schools, and we, we primarily focus on trying to put more educators of color into the schools. Um, I also have a consulting company called Urbane Education Alterations, and we work with schools all over the country, Texas, California, New York. We've uh, used Urbane, too. Oh, man, they're great. Hey, hey, thank you so much. So we are working to uh, really help schools achieve some of those results and build systems that work for kids that look like me and and you and us and, and our city. And then I write books, and I speak all over the country. So I write books. I have uh, three books out right now. Uh, my most recent one is is uh, We Need to Do Better 2.0 that is uh, changing the mindset of children, community, and family through education, and it has uh, lessons for teachers to deliver to their students and teach teachers how to do it. But I have an upcoming uh, book that is called The Hood Me and The Good Me, and, and that's for kids. And then I have an adult version, which will be from the gutter to greatness, and a podcast about that as well. So, you know, I'm trying to spread this message and get it out here, man. And just I, I want to help people and I want to uh, give back in any way I can to make things greater later. You know, and that kind of takes us to close here. And as we close out, I just want people to understand what they're going to expect from us uh, week in and week out. You're going to get a transparent, real, authentic conversation where uh, you're going to get uh, people who wear their heart on their sleeve and want to make things different for this city and want to do it through the educational lens. And so we're going to give you the good, the bad, the ugly. There's nothing that we 
are, are really afraid to say. You know, and again, we're not running for anybody's office, right. so we can say what we want to say, do right. how we want to do, but we're going to do it with the people in mind and do it with Rochester's kids in mind and do it with the ability to create change because we know that we can move the needle. So we're signing off until next week. We can't wait to get uh, our listeners out there some more information and some good information because next episode is going to be on the myths of uh, and the myths and misnomers, misnomers. So the myths and misnomers of uh, charter school education and some other good information that you'll need to hear. So peace until later. Let's move that needle.